Thanks for joining us today. It's our first teaching of the year, our first sermon of 2024. I hope you're full of faith for a great year together. Let's enjoy the journey. Uh, I'm believing for a great year for you, your family, your workplace, whatever it is that you put your hand to. But if you can remember all the way to last year, December 31st, we talked about the power of a keystone habit. You know, habits are important things. In fact, our ability to sustain change in our lives will largely be dependent upon the habits we instill in our lives. Uh, uh, maybe you set some New Year's resolutions. Uh, we were seven days in. How are you doing with that? Stats tell us that only 8% of people keep their New Year's resolutions past one month. So if you're still going to the gym every day, if you still haven't drunk fizzy drink, whatever it is that you've set your mind and heart to, I hope you just don't give up. Keep going. Come on. Keep going towards that goal. But we talked about a keystone habit. And keystone habits are are interesting because they're like a, a habit that we pursue doing that has a trickle-on effect into other areas of our life. In fact, in Charles Dewey's book, The Power of Habit, it describes a keystone habit like this. It says, a keystone habit is a habit that people introduce into their routines that unintentionally carries over into other aspects of their lives. So keystone habits, they have like a domino effect, a ripple effect. It's that one thing you do that affects every other thing you do. James Prochaska uh, said this about exercising. He's a researcher in psychology and behavioral change. He says, when people start habitually exercising, even as infrequently as once a week, they start changing other unrelated patterns in their lives, often unknowingly. Typically, people who exercise start eating better and becoming more productive at work. They smoke less and they show more patience with colleagues and family. They use their credit cards less frequently and they say they feel less stressed. It's not completely clear why exercise spills over. There's something about it that makes other good habits easier. This is a keystone habit. So so what James Petrescu is saying is if you exercise, it has all these unintended benefits in other areas of your life. It spills over. A keystone habit. I love that thought. It says there's something about exercising that makes other habits easier. A keystone habit. And we ask the question, what is the keystone habit of a Christian? And my genuine belief is that is reading your Bible, about reading God's Word, listening to it, studying it, dwelling on it, memorizing it, saying it, living it, loving it, knowing it, letting it fill your life. I hope that you've been reading your Bible every day so far in 2024. I know we're well into our 30-day shred. I hope you're, uh, if you're joining with us, come on. I know it's hard. It's, 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 a, it's a big undertaking, but we're going for it. But today, I want to talk about another keystone habit, and that is prayer. Prayer. There's something about exercise that makes other good habits easier. There's something about reading the Bible that makes other things in my life easier in my life for God easier. Well, let me tell you something. Prayer, just like reading my Bible, is a keystone habit. Absolutely. Uh, It's a big one. Uh, What is prayer, first of all? Let's just define that. Well, it's talking to God. It's communicating in relationship with Him. It's bringing my needs to God. It's standing in the gap for others. It's, it's, It's not just 
a habit. It's, it's, it's a keystone habit. It's, it's important. It has a trickle-on effect into every area of my life when I routinely, habitually pray continually. Uh, and anything we strive to do without prayer is really asking for trouble. You know, Jesus practiced prayer. He did. He prayed in public and in private. Luke writes about Jesus' baptism in in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 22. It says this, One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. It says, as he was praying, the heavens opened. It doesn't say as he was waiting, as he was thinking, as he was watching church. (laughs) No, it says as he was praying. And I love that this this picture of two-way communication between Jesus and his heavenly father. You know, prayer isn't just one way. It's, It's not just us talking to God, but it's also him communicating with us deep in our spirit. He communicates with us also, or later in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Have you ever prayed all night? Well, Jesus, I've, I've prayed all night. I've been part of all night prayer meetings. It, they're hard. <laughs> Jesus prayed all night. And this is just one of many examples of Jesus retreating to have extended times of private prayer. Jesus had an active prayer life, and so should we. I mean, who are we to think that we could get through life praying less than Jesus did, right? Jesus practiced prayer. Also, Jesus taught about prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 to 13, uh, it's the most famous teaching of prayer, really, is the Lord's Prayer. It says this, when you pray, this is Jesus speaking, don't babble on and on as Gentiles do, Uh, They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And this is great because it actually gives us a solid framework for how we should pray. In verse 9, it's worship and praise. In verse 10, it's praying God's will to be done. In verse 11, it's praying for my needs and the needs of those around me. And in verse 12, it's asking for forgiveness and forgiving others. In verse 13, it's asking for protection and help. I believe this is a great framework and starting point for our prayer lives. Prayer is a keystone habit. James Petriska said there's something about exercising that makes other good habits in our lives easier. Well, just like reading our Bible, there's something about prayer that makes other habits in my life easier. Prayer makes life with God possible. You know, our church planning journey has been covered in prayer right from the get-go. It was birthed in prayer, an idea of a, out of a prayer time with God, uh, uh, something that the Lord put on our hearts. We had a, a, a prayer and intercessory team pray for us from our sending church. We've had people in our church pray for us. We have Pray Day every uh, month. We're looking forward to having a Pray Day prayer meeting in February and kicking off the year with that. The Apostle Paul 
encourages the Colossians to pray in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. The English Standard Version says it this way, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And I believe in this simple verse, there's three points we can take on board about prayer. And I'd like to spend a little bit of time on each of them. Number one, it says, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. It's a discipline. It's continual. It's not always easy. In Luke 18 verse 1, it says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them they should always pray and never give up. And what is this story? Well, it's the story of a widow who goes to a unjust judge to plead a case. She needs something from this judge. And Jesus describes this judge as someone who neither feared God or cared about people. And he didn't want to give the widow what she wanted, but she kept asking persistently over and over again. And eventually he just went, all right, you can have it. And Jesus tells this story uh, to encourage us to pray and never give up. Now, he's not just telling us this to to show us that God is like an unjust judge who doesn't care about us. No, he's saying that God is much better than this unjust person, and he will listen to our prayers, especially if we never give up. If this judge, who didn't care about this woman at all, didn't care about what God thought, he was just like, who cares? Listen to her requests. How much more will God listen to our requests? Who loves us? Who cares about us? You know, devotion to hopelessness is a lot harder than devotion to a loving, faithful God. And prayer is a practice of hope and trust and dependence on God. And it's a keystone habit. It has a spillover effect into every other area of my life. It's a core part of my relationship with God to communicate with him. Yes, I read my Bible. Absolutely. I believe that's that's a, a very, but I, I also believe we pray. We pray. We should be praying continually. Our following of Jesus should be flooded with prayer, with communication with him. In 1 John 5, 14, it says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. He hears us and we should be devoted to prayer. You know, my lack of devotion to prayer is an alarming indicator of my lack of dependence on God. My lack of devotion to prayer is an alarming indicator of my lack of dependence on God. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Never stop praying. I love that verse. Three words. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Never stop praying. You've memorized a Bible verse today. Never stop praying. For some of us, our natural inclination is to never stop complaining or never stop worrying or never stop scrolling or never stop procrastinating. And that is really a revealer of our character, isn't it? We must be people devoted to prayer. Prayers of dependence and trust and gratitude. Devote yourself to prayer, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians. And also that uh, note that it says, devote yourself to prayer. Like, I can't devote you to prayer. Maria can't devote you to prayer. Church can't devote you to prayer. You need to make a decision that, hey, 
I am going to devote myself to prayer. I'm going to pray continually. I'm going to pray throughout the day. You know, your husband can't devote you to prayer. Your wife can't devote you to prayer. Your parents can't. Your pastors can't. You must devote yourself to prayer. So from Colossians 4.2, we are encouraged to be devoted in prayer. Also, it says that we're to be alert in prayer. To be alert, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. The English Standard Version says, be watchful in prayer. In the Gospels, we read a story of Jesus going to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's going to pray and he takes Peter, James, and John, some of his real core disciples, with him. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, it says, keep watch and pray. This is Jesus speaking. He says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then they fell asleep three times. Imagine that. And if it was hard for the disciples in the real physical presence of Jesus, after watching all these crazy miracles happen in the flesh, if it was difficult for them to stay awake in prayer and stay alert in prayer, how much more so is it actually difficult for us? in 2024. I mean, what does it mean to be watchful in prayer? It literally means to stay awake, uh, to to be awake and open. Uh, Well, awake to what, you might ask? Well, awake to the fact that through God's work of grace, that I have open communication with Him, that I am dependent on Him day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Awake to the fact that He is listening, that he, He does intervene, that He is our hope, that He is our source of life and purpose. This is sacred stuff. Stay awake. Stay awake in prayer. Following Jesus is not a sleepwalk. We are alive in Him. So should our prayer life be. It should be alive, awake, active, constant, continual. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. You know, when your prayer life is active and awake, prayer is not your last resort. It's your first response. It's your first response. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, oh my gosh, something's going on. I haven't even prayed about this. Oh man, we need to have prayer as our first response. You know, when I go to bed at night, or actually it's it's scheduled on my phone at about, I think it's about 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. or something. My phone turns on do not disturb mode. When I turn on do not disturb mode, only those in my favorites can actually contact me. Uh, like my phone won't ring or, or notify me unless someone who's in my favorites contacts me. And, you know, it's just interesting to me that for all of us, we have things that uh, are in our favorites in our life, don't we? Like when, when, when we sit down at night to watch TV and we switch off the world. We put on our do not disturb mode in our brain, in our heart. My hope is that prayer, reading the Bible would be in your favorites in your life. That there's no time in your day, there's no moment in your life where speaking with God, reading his word is locked out. You know, we need a holiday from work. We need a holiday from certain commitments. We should never need a holiday from prayer. We should never need a break from reading God's word. No. It should be continual to talk to him. Is your prayer life active? Is your your communication with him 
constant. We need to prioritize prayer. We need to be watchful in it. You can't be alert in prayer when you are buried in distractions. There's something about exercise that makes other habits easier. James Petrescu says, there's something about prayer, living a life that is active in prayer that makes other things in my life for God much easier. Amen. There's a spillover effect to the keystone habit of prayer. So Colossians 4.2 says we should be devoted to prayer. We should be alert in prayer. And thirdly, it says we should be thankful in prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Gratitude. We just mentioned the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us. It starts with worship, with thanks, with gratitude. Gratitude Adjust my attitude. It's an antidote for grumpiness. Gratitude. Uh, we read earlier in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we memorized the verse, never stop praying. But the very next verse in verse 18 says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You know, our following of Jesus should be flooded in prayer and flavored with gratitude. And thanks. I challenge you to start each day this week or take some time today even and just begin to thank God for things in your life. God, I thank you for your grace, for breath in my lungs. Thank you for a bed to sleep on. Thank you for my family, my wife, my kids. Thank you for water to drink. Thank you for a voice to worship you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a church to be part of. Thank you for my awesome pastors. I'm just saying, we need to be grateful. Amen? Ephesians 5.20 says, And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Gratitude adjusts my attitude. You know, you just won't find a grumpy and grateful person. I'm just so grateful for these kids who just bug me and wake me up in the middle of the night. I'm just so thankful for, uh, you know, this house that I just, this person at work I just can't stand. Just doesn't make sense, does it? We need to be grateful people, full of praise and thanks to God. So be devoted to prayer. Be watchful in prayer. Be alert in prayer and be thankful in prayer. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. There's something about prayer. There's something about reading the Bible that makes other things in my life for God easier. If you, if you try to live for God without prayer, without reading your word, you are going to struggle. This is a big part of things. And my hope is that as we come together as a church, as we journey together, that we would read God's word more together, that we would pray more together and we would enjoy it with him. Amen. Amen. Well, with that in mind, let me pray for you as we close today. God, thank you that we can talk to you. Thank you that we can come to you with grateful hearts and be watchful in prayer and be alert in prayer. And Lord, I just pray that that over this coming week that we would have the most alert prayer life we've ever had, Lord, that we would talk with you when we wake up, when we go to sleep. Lord, I know that um, uh, you hear our prayers. Lord, you even hear our cries for help. You even hear our, our complaints. Lord, you hear it all. But we want to be thankful. We want to be grateful people. And we are thankful so much that you would be with us, so close to us, and that we could talk to you day by day, minute by minute. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, 
We're back at church next week. I'm excited about it. We are going to have an awesome service together. Wherever you are, you might still be on holidays, still floating around. Hope you can join us in person, 9 a.m. It would be great to have you with us. We're going to have a great, great year together. Be devoted to prayer. Be awake in prayer. Be grateful in prayer this week. And don't stop reading your Bible. In Jesus' name, have a great week. Love me the way